You're listening to Art and Magic, and I'm your host, Devin Walls. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show, and more specifically, welcome to season four. This is our first official episode of the new season, our first episode after a very long break. Uh, We dropped off in October, and now it's early March, so... That has definitely given me some time to recharge and think about things, and I'm really excited to be back talking art with you all and to have some fun conversations with other artists, which you can look forward to this season, of course. So in the time that we haven't spoken, um, it's been eventful and not eventful. I, I did a lot of resting, which was really needed. I tend to go really hard towards the end of the year and try and fit in as much as I can. And then I have a bit of crash and burn in December and January. I'm trying to get a hold on it. I haven't quite been able to master it yet. Um, But I have also just accepted like, you know, if that means that I need to have a very slow start to the beginning of my years, it kind of is what it is. So I'm sharing that to say that if it took you a long time to get the ball up and running for 2022, or it's still not up and running, that is totally fine. In terms of what has been eventful, um, I have been doing some new things since we talked. After the release of my last series in August, I decided to take a break from um, painting and working 2D and switch into experimenting with sculpture. Wasn't that I didn't love painting anymore, but more so I had this sense that if I just jumped into my next body of work, I would be operating from a default mode or or a pattern that I had created that was really meant for the previous body of work. I really needed to step back and accumulate some new energy, let myself like grow a little bit and have some new ideas before jumping back in. I'd been curious about working 3D for a while, um, but was daunted by it. And it turns out rightfully so, because those last four months of the year that I spent learning my way around sculpture were very challenging and very frustrating. And there were times that I was like, why did I do this? Um, But having support helped, having somebody that I could ask questions to helped. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what it really means to learn to work in entirely new ways. Um, I did get a chance to like grasp the elements in my work from a new perspective. And honestly, it made me very excited to get back to painting, which is where I am now. Um, So things are building up very slowly. I'm still in a big question phase and a big experiment phase, all themes that we're going to talk about in today's episode. Um, But I do finally think some new paintings are going to come about soon. So that's what feels exciting for me. Um, And like, so outside of the studio stuff, the other thing that I've been doing is for the past month. I've been doing one-on-one mentoring sessions with you guys, with other artists, people in my community. Um, it's not something I do often. Usually just having one-off sessions is something I offer to like past students or people who have worked with me in a larger capacity. Um, but it felt like a fun thing to offer for the month of February. And doing it was so fun. Getting to dive into other artists' work on such an individual basis and talk with them about what they're dealing with and where they're at and what they're thinking about was not only extremely fun and fulfilling, but it was so enlightening. And one thing I noticed is that there were definitely some common themes. Like out of everybody I talked to, there were about five major categories um, of things that people were working through and wanted to know about. 
And so I thought to kick off today's episode, I would share those things with you guys. I would talk about what your peers are all thinking about and dealing with and offer maybe some new perspectives um, and ways you can tackle and approach those things if you're dealing with them yourself. So this will be a varied episode that covers a lot of topics, but I guarantee if you are an artist or creative, one or more of these things is absolutely going to hit home with you. And when they do, you can know that you are not alone, that they made it into this episode because I heard it talked about over and over and over again. So before we get into today's episode, I have just one quick announcement, and that is that finally, after so much talk about doing this, I'm going to run a small group mentorship program for artists, and it begins on March 19th, and applications are open right now. This is going to be a group of no more than seven artists, so it's going to be really intimate, that meets bi-weekly for four months. And this is a space for you to get feedback and reflections on your work and works in progress, a place where you can talk about your work and the concept behind your work and discuss new ideas, workshop writing, ask business questions all done within a group setting. So that group setting allows you to get feedback from the group and make connections with your peers, and you'll get mentoring from me. Everybody will have their own designated time and space to get that like individualized feedback from myself. So this is the only way that you can work with me for in this way, probably for the rest of the year. Um, like I said, I don't, the sessions I was referring to earlier, I don't usually do that. So this would be the format where you can get that kind of support if you're wanting it. This is for artists at any stage, whether you're a working artist or a hobby artist, um, anybody who wants to really grow within their practice and in the ways that they put their work into the world. So whether you're selling your work or not, getting your work into the world, whether it's in a low stakes sharing capacity or you're trying to get a show, um, is very much intertwined with the way that we work in the studio. It's kind of hard to avoid that. And so this is going to be a group where we get to address the professional side of things and the artwork development side of things. So I'm so excited about it. Uh, there's actually only three spots currently open. So if you are interested, I recommend getting your application in soon. You can get all the information with the link in the show notes. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Okay, so the number one phrase I hear among students and honestly my artist friends and honestly coming out of my own mouth is this. I feel all over the place. Do you feel this way? (laughs) So when people say they feel all over the place, I think they're usually referring to their style. They often feel like they're making work that is unrelated, that they can't stay focused on a certain subject, Um, Maybe they don't even know if they have a style or if they have had a style in the past. They feel like they're departing from it. It all just gets very confusing. And I think what the number one complaint is, is like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm making. Is this cohesive enough? Am I working within my own realm? And it all gets very overwhelming. So let's talk about this one. I have a couple perspectives to share and potential solutions if you resonate with this. So first of all, It's pretty likely that your work only feels all over the place to you, but if and when you show it to somebody else, they can tell that it's been made by the same artist, or they can at least tell that the work is related and connected. I think when we know our work really well and we're so immersed in it, the slightest departure or the slightest shift into a new idea, 
subject palette direction, whatever, can make us feel like, oh my God, hold the phone. What are we doing? This is different. What's going to (laughs) happen? And we kind of spin out a little bit. But then when we show it to somebody else, they're like, wow, how exciting. Like, yeah, you didn't repeat the same piece over and over, um, but it looks like your work. I think this is probably most likely the case for you, especially if you've been making work for about three to five years. There are cases where artists really are making very disjointed work, and I think that is most common when you're in the very beginning, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But if you've been making work for three to five years and you feel this way, I would encourage you to get some feedback because people are probably going to say it's not all over the place, um, and I want to normalize the feeling. So something I also share with students, especially if they're in the beginning, is that this feeling in this fear kind of never goes away. I have hit so many points of feeling all over the place. And often that's just an indicator that we're moving our work forward. It's not that it's splayed out and disconnected and something is in left field over here and right field over here. It's actually that we're moving forward. And so our work is evolving, but it's still following a trajectory. And so if you're kind of like an intermediate artist or whatever you want to call it, um, that is very likely what is happening and it's okay. And that feeling will probably come up again and again as you progress your work. Okay, so I want to bring a perspective to the other side of things. If, If your work really is truly all over the place, like meaning you are sketching out charcoal drawings of very dark, scary trees on the one hand, and you're doing colorful abstract splatters and acrylic paint on the other hand, like just truly working through different styles, different subjects and genres and all this. If you are new to making art, I would expect this from you and I would actually want this from you. I was just saying this to somebody the other day. If a new artist came to me and they just had this one cohesive style, cohesive palette, and I asked them how long they'd been making work and they said six months or a year, I would be a little suspicious of that. I would wonder if that was perhaps contrived to fit into some sort of idea about what a cohesive body of work should look like rather than actually going on the journey to explore and discover what their most honest work is. And I really don't think that you can just land on that on your first try. I do think inherent in finding that is jumping around a little bit, is working through different styles and themes. So that's to say, if that's you and your work is all over the place, I would celebrate the fact that you're doing a good job and that you are doing the appropriate work to find what will probably eventually be a more focused progression. Okay, so we've normalized feeling all over the place when you might not actually be. We've normalized it if you actually are. So let's talk about in either scenario, you're just like, I don't want to feel this way. I want to bring a bit of focus to my work and I I do want to narrow it down a bit. I have some suggestions for you. The first one is to do a little bit of an analysis of your work. So I would gather up some pieces that you feel are representative of the multiple styles and all over the placeness that you've been working in currently or you have in the past or anything that's kind of cluttering your decision making ability. And I would go through those pieces one by one and I would ask yourself, what do I like about this piece? I'll back up for a second and say that usually when people are feeling all over the place, it's because they feel torn between a couple different styles or directions. Like they like these things, 
um, that they're working on, but they just can't choose. And so their energy feels scattered. So assuming that you like this work um, or or feel drawn to make work in a similar style, ask yourself what you like about it. Why do you feel connected to it? What's working for you? What did you enjoy about making it? And just start to, just like an investigation, just write down a little list. When you're done, I want you to look at this list for common themes. Usually what happens is even though the work on the surface might look very different, there are common reasons why you are drawn to work in these different ways. So let's take this example of dark, gloomy drawings of trees in charcoal and splattered acrylic paint. Um, You might end up finding that like, oh, there's a composition in both of them that's like focused in one area and spacious in another. Or I like the feeling I had, or I like um, what it's about, which is maybe about like exploring magic in some sense. I'm just like making this up. But usually when you go and look at the list without the visuals, you will see some common things that have come up over and over. So now you have some information about what is focused in what you're doing. And you have a couple choices. You can just take that and know like these things are connected. Um, and aesthetically, they're going to work themselves out if I just let myself keep grappling with this process. Or if you really want to intentionally bring some cohesion, I would keep that list in mind and say, okay, here are the most common things that I'm drawn to work with. How can I intentionally do that in my next piece and just kind of work from there? The second suggestion is, is really simple, and that's just to create containers for yourself. So maybe identifying in all of these things that feel all over the place, can you fit them into like two or three categories? And then from there, you can make a choice to say, just to give myself the experience of feeling focused, I'm only going to work in this one category. Or I'm going to know that these are my select like boxes or categories, and I am okay with embracing two or three of them for now. And even that knowing might just help you feel less all over the place. Okay, so the next thing it seems like a lot of artists are dealing with right now is this need for structure in the studio. And and this takes shape in a lot of different ways. Some people I talked to were really struggling to have a studies practice that worked for them. A lot of people were having this experience where they would carve out time for their work and then they would show up and not know what to create. And then some people were just having a hard time showing up in general. So... I'm going to give some all-around suggestions for this one. Um, I think knowing what we're going to work on, the phases that we go through over the course of a year in our studio, all of that is, is so personal, and because of that can be very hard to nail down. And again, can lead to a different kind of feeling of feeling all over the place. So here are just some suggestions that you can implement for structure and direction if you're needing it. Okay, so my number one thing is to create some prompts for yourself. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's a lot cooler than it sounds. So let me explain how I work with this and then I'll, I'll give you some suggestions too. So something I have made a practice of is keeping a notes folder or note in my phone where I am constantly writing down ideas as I get them. Sometimes it's a color, sometimes it's a material. Um, what's relevant to my work right now are different symbols. Um, And so as I think of those things, I'll just write them down. So I have like a list of symbols and colors and all these things. And then I have a list of studies that I want to do or things I want to investigate. So for example, like 
donut in oil with lots of texture against a dark background. They'll just be like little images that I get or ideas that I have. Now you might be thinking, but Devin, <laughs> I don't get ideas like that throughout the day. My brain doesn't think in donuts like that. Well, neither did mine until I started doing this. It was almost like the practice of writing it down then invited more of those ideas to come out. It was like I was more on the lookout for them. So you might have to start it in order to start having things come up for you in this way throughout your day or throughout the week. Um, P.S. This is also a really lovely way to feel like you're engaged with your work, even if you don't always have the time to sit down and have a long studio session. So just a little extra plug there for this practice. Okay, so then once you've got your list or, you know, maybe you start this practice by just writing things down in a notebook and taking it into your workspace, and then later you continue the notes practice in your phone or elsewhere, I want you to turn them into prompts. So if you just have a list of colors or if you just have a list of subjects, um, I want you to create prompts that basically say, like, do a study about this, do a study in this style, experiment in this way, do this composition. And that way, when you show up and you're like, what the heck do I do? I made all this effort to be here. You just pull out your list and you're like, oh, right. I wanted to make sure that I tried this idea out or this was feeling interesting to me. And it is so grounding. Now, of course, another way to have structure in your studio practice is to be working on a body of work. And we'll talk about that in a second. But usually once you have a body of work going, that that is already informing what you're going to work on. You know that you're working on these pieces that are connected to each other in this way, et cetera, et cetera. But I find the most challenging part of working in this studio is that period of time before that. And that's where I'm currently at right now is in this just big phase of studies and experiments and it's its own thing, but it's so nice to at least know what I'm intending to explore. Okay, so the next idea for adding a bit of structure is to make a plan for a series. And my method of doing that is an extension of the practice that I just offered you. Once I have created some studies and I've I've tried out enough things and I I've done enough to feel like, okay, this is feeling interesting to me, then I might make some sort of commitment to either say, okay, I'm going to do this many pieces by this date. Or if I'm not feeling like I want that much structure, I'll at least just say, okay, let me just start with two to three actual pieces and see how I'm feeling from there and how big or small I want to make this series and where I want to take it. So leaving a bit of open-endedness to see how it goes. And I really do think a huge benefit to creating a series, you know, other than it, it adding to your portfolio in a significant way is giving yourself a container to explore something specific. And I think as artists, there is this sense like there's so much we can do and everything grabs our attention and the world is infinite. And it, like there are so many things to explore. Sometimes we do just have to make a decision like, OK, I'm going to work with this theme in this way. Um, and let it take me where it takes me. And and that can just be really, really helpful if you're this kind of person. <laughs> so kind of an aside to all of this is just a note about studies. Um, I did talk to a couple people who were having a hard time finding a way of working with studies that worked for them. And I think often they were thinking that studies had to be these completed pieces, almost 
almost basically just like an actual piece, but in a smaller, faster version. And that is one way that you can approach a study, like almost a little preview to a larger piece that you might create. But to me, in my mind, I would think of that as more of a sketch. And it's not the language that's important, but just the different modes of working. To me, a sketch is like, okay, I'm going to sketch out a composition or an idea for a larger piece. The way I relate to studies are different disjointed ideas where multiple things I've explored in different studies might come together later on in one piece. Does that make sense? Like they're more investigative. They're not necessarily a full on plan for a future piece. So just to kind of offer those two different modes to you in case one or the other is more helpful to you right now. Another little note on studio structure, and this is actually just more of a personal one that I've had to deal with a little bit, is when you're at a point where you have a lot going on, like you have commissions, you let's say it's the holidays and you need to create some smaller work because you know that's what sells. And let's be real, sometimes we have to make money, um, but you also have a desire to work on your work with like a capital W or whatever and um, make sure you're exploring and doing all the things that maybe you don't get immediately paid for. It can make it an overwhelming experience to know what you're working on. So if that's happening for you, I really recommend identifying the areas you want to cover and reserving time for each. And that sounds really self-explanatory and maybe obvious, but I think sometimes if you have this like this feeling like you're not getting a chance to get to your own work. Sometimes we really have to intentionally carve it out. And on the flip side, I've also had experiences too, like just full transparency where I've spent so much time exploring and not actually coming out with any work that I'm like, Hey, um, I don't sell anything soon. It's going to be kind of a problem. I probably need to like, you know, um, have a intentionally create some things to sell. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, But it's really just about the compartmentalization of, okay, when I'm in this mode, I'm working on like my work with a capital W and I'm going to be very honest and it's going to take as long as it takes. And if I need to invest in new materials, it just is what it is because I'm on this journey with my most honest work. And then there's this other mode of working that's like, I'm also a working artist and I might need to create a bit of a plan in order to sell some pieces and make sure that they get done and make sure that I have the funds to support this other big, long, ambiguous, not as profitable experience that I would like to have. Um, so that's another like aspect for structure in the studio, uh, if that's where you're at. Okay, I want to mention another kind of subcategory in this whole structure conversation. Um, it's a little bit different than what I was just mentioning, but... Another question that artists tend to have is, how do I know when to put my attention on developing my work and developing on the professional side of things? And this is really hard because there are seasons for both. And if you are a working artist, both are absolutely necessary. And I found what I ended up saying to a lot of people is, if you already have a ton of work that you feel really good about, that you feel connected to. Um, I won't say a ton of work, but let's just say like a body of work that you feel good about, you feel connected to, it feels current, you feel good about it representing you, you're in a good flow with the way you push your work forward. So even if you hit your stuck points like we all do, um, you have a bit of trust that that things are moving forward, that you know that there are ups and downs, but you are engaging and you are getting new ideas and like 
you're on the track with your work, so to speak. At that point, you, I, I would advise, if you have professional goals, to put attention on them. Um, however, if you are like fresh out of the gate, you feel like you, you, you just have a knowing that you are developing your style. Um, you've only been making work for about a year or so. I wouldn't stress so much about your artist statement or reaching out to galleries or anything else that you think you quote unquote should be doing. In fact, if you're doing it because you think you should be doing it, that's probably an indicator to you right there. I do think in the beginning, it's absolutely productive to learn your way around social media and a website and photographing your work because those are all skills that you need. But I think my point is, is that do that as it feels good. I wouldn't stress too much about it. And if you only have to pick between one, um, I would put more attention on developing your work. So of course, that's a very personal answer. It's impossible to just like give a blanket general statement for it. But that was what I found with artists is like, if they were really far along and they'd been making work for a while and had done nothing on the professional side, it was maybe time to engage with some of those things. But if they were brand new, it was like, I, I trust that you know how to figure out how to build a website and apply to shows. Like that information is out there and the thing that is more crucial is your work. So that's my two cents on that. Okay, thing number three that I talked a lot with with artists is wanting to feel connected to what you're making. Wanting to feel like you're making it for a reason other than just like you like this color or you think this scenery is pretty or, or whatever. I think that as artists, this is inherent, right? Like we hit a certain point where, you know, our love for color and beauty and things of interest is amazing and will never stop being amazing. But, but we hit a point where we do, we want to know why we're making something. And I think that's a healthy sign. I don't think it's something you have to have. I think making something just because you like it is totally acceptable, but I understand this feeling and I've had it myself. So if you're feeling like, okay, I've been making this certain kind of work, but does it have meaning? Um, I'm just going to go ahead and give you an answer here. Most likely it does. If you've been making it, if you've been drawn to do it, even if you don't know why, you are probably doing it for a reason. You can sit down and make literally anything but you have been choosing to do this thing or these couple things for however long. And I guarantee you it's not random. And so I think this is just a time for you to have a conversation with yourself. Why have you been doing what you've been doing? What inspired this direction? A lot of times the first answer you might get is like, well, I just like this thing or just like these colors or just like this subject. And then below that, I would challenge you to like, you know, use some adjectives. You know, maybe it's cathartic, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's magical, maybe it's exciting, maybe it's depressing. What's there? And then I would just keep following that trail down and down and down. What does that remind you of? What do you find yourself thinking about when you're making your work? The answers might not unveil themselves all at once. You might get a couple things. And then I imagine that as you continue to have these questions in your mind as you're working, a lot will be illuminated. But just by starting to ask the question, you're, you're definitely going to discover that what you're doing isn't random. Now, once in a while, 
or maybe not once in a while. I think it maybe just depends how long you've been making work for. But it is possible you can get an answer like, well, I started making this work because it's how my teacher made work. Or it's, you know, the people I were, I was exposed to. This is how they made. And, and the way that I learned is I, I kind of mimicked their style and was influenced in that way. And so that's good information as well. Like, okay, so maybe part of what you're doing is a bit of happenstance, you know, because it was accessible. Um, but even if that's part of your answer, there's probably a reason you were drawn to it. So that means that you're probably still developing, you know, if that's like a large part of why you're making what you're making. But even with that, I, I bet you can find other reasons too. I bet there's a reason you were drawn to that person or drawn to that thing or drawn to that way of making. So the moral of the story is there is meaning there lurking beneath the surface. You just have to dig a little bit for it. I'll also say that once you start thinking in this way, the whole meaning and why and intention piece gets a lot easier. It's usually kind of just like breaking the surface of this line of thought. That's the most awkward part. But then once you, this is like so many metaphors rolled into one, open the jar or crack the lid or whatever, um, then things start flowing out and it becomes easier to intentionally start making creative decisions from this meaning or from this purpose. Just that initial like getting on board with it, that's kind of tricky. But once once you start thinking in this way, it, it will come very naturally. Okay, so number four, fourth thing that came up a lot with artists is questions around how to talk and write about their work. Obviously, this is a huge subject. I could do a whole episode on it. And if you're interested, maybe I will. Um, But the first thing we need to ask ourselves when it comes to talking about our work is who is this for? Who are we talking to? Who are we writing for? Is it for people on your social media, potential collectors? Is it a fancy, I was going to say fancy ass, but sure, fancy ass artist statement. This is really important for us to identify before we can talk at all about the way you share and talk about your work. So if you're wanting to share and talk about your work, to help people understand and connect with it. Um, That one is a little bit simpler of an answer because I would just encourage you to talk normally. The whole point of sharing things about your work is to help people who are already drawn to it, who already like it, make a deeper connection with it. And the truth is, is those people want a reason to understand it more. They're already drawn in. And so by you giving them any sort of background. It's just going to help them um, connect with it further and like it even more. So all of that being said, the best thing you can do absolutely is to be honest. So two caveats in the honesty department. One, in order to be honest, there's different levels of honesty. And and a lot of that is going to be based on your level of understanding of your work. And so I think that's the most important thing. Like, how much do you know about your work? Because that's going to allow you to be honest and share and talk about it. There's a couple ways you can gather information about your work. One is going through a lot of the questions and things that I've already presented in this episode for different reasons. Um, Two is to get reflections about your work in a group setting. Little plug for the artist group mentorship program that I talked about at the beginning. But there's lots of different um, arenas in where you can get this. And you can also just like ask a friend and we're actually going to talk more about this in the next little thing. But when you get reflections on your work and you ask other artists what they see and what they notice, 
it's often very validating. Also, it often gives you information about what you were intending to do that maybe you didn't have language for. So that's one way you can further understand your work. Another way, if you want to give your own understanding some structure, is to go through the different categories. And this is getting into a little bit of art statement talk, but I think that's okay because if you're wanting to work on your artist statement, this might be helpful. But what can you identify about your subject? So what you're depicting, um, your style or your aesthetic, um, or your voice is another way of saying it. So how you're depicting it, what is the mood? What is the palette? And then the last one is your content, which we talked a little bit about already, why you're doing it. So why did you choose to portray this subject in this way? And this is like super, super, super basics of um, dissecting your work and, and breaking down pieces for an artist statement. But these are really great categories to consider when you want to get a little more information for yourself about what you're doing. There's a great book called Art Right, and it presents a lot of these categories and questions. I'll try and link it in the show notes for you. So um, that's my number one resource I recommend to people. Uh, And that's a great one if you're wanting to write an official artist statement as well. Okay, so the second thing about honesty that I think um, artists have a lot of questions about is how much to share when the work is personal. Most work is personal, not all of it, but most of it. And if you're here, your work's probably pretty personal. My work is very personal. And so a lot of people have questions around like, well, how many details do I really need to share here? Um, And my answer is like, you actually don't need to get very personal at all. I mean, this is completely up to you and what you're comfortable with and what feels good. But I want to say that being honest and sharing about your work doesn't necessarily mean that you have to unveil the details of a personal story. A great way to be honest about the work without getting too personal is to pick an aspect, one that I maybe just mentioned, and talk about the work from that perspective. So if I were to take my own work, for example, I might look at one of the paintings of these kind of etheric looking rooms and say, you know, there's a lot of doors and windows in these rooms, and I see these as either ways out or ways in. Sometimes they're keeping us trapped. And to me, this is all about the way we move through transitions and the unknown. I actually could have said something a little bit better. That was very vague and off the top of my head. Um, But you can see how nothing in there tells you anything about my history, Um, even though I am fascinated with being trapped and um, feelings of claustrophobia because of some of my childhood experiences. And sometimes I do share that. But even me saying that is a different level of personal than what I had previously said, but I didn't just lay out a whole story or a whole scenario for you. Like I still feel like the details of my own story um, aren't overly shared. And so there are ways that you can be honest and talk about things without giving us the whole story. So that's my recommendation. Use something aesthetic in the work as a jumping off point. for your own discussion. And you might have to experiment with it a little bit. You know, writing is absolutely a practice in the same way that art is, and it takes some time. But I, I think being in conversation with other artists and getting those reflections is, is one of the most helpful things you could do. And that is the perfect segue to number five. Um, almost at the end of every single call or somewhere in the middle, if it was like a main 
a main point of interest was this question about finding creative community and other artists to connect with. In fact, I had a lot of artists who felt like, you know, I really need this in order to go to the next level in my practice. But like, you know, I've joined things before that just weren't right, or I'm totally isolated in a small town, or I just don't know how to formulate these connections on my own. So I'm going to give you some, some tips. Um, the first one is totally free. And it's what I call the Instagram friend method. I just made that up, but I think it needs a name because I've talked about this a lot. And so it goes like this. So you know how on Instagram you have these other artists who feel kind of like your peers, like maybe they've been working um, for as long as you have. Um, Maybe you've exchanged some friendly comments or DMs. You vibe with each other's work or each other's presence in some way. They feel like your art friends, even if you hadn't really had very many personal conversations with them. Um, That is the perfect person for you to send a message to and say, hey, I would really love to just like have some conversations with another artist about our work, maybe to give each other reflections and feedback or just to jam on like business stuff and questions. Um, Would you ever want to like get on a Zoom call and have an artist chat? Or if they're local to you, even better, meet up for coffee. Nine times out of 10, that person would love to do that with you because so many people are wanting this. And I am so grateful that I had people who did that to me like in the beginning or a couple years ago. And they have become some of my closest art friends and real friends. And I have benefited so much from having friends to talk about my work with on a very regular basis. It it has truly changed my whole experience that I have as an artist. But sometimes you have to be the person to initiate. Um, but that is, I mean, as much as we hate on Instagram, and I get it, this is one of the benefits that we should be taking in is it's this very accessible place to find peers and like-minded people that you can turn into real connection. So maybe you start with one person and maybe the two of you decide, hey, we'd make like to make this a group thing. Like, do you know of anybody? Do you have any little art Instagram friends that maybe you'd want to invite? And you can just let it be very organic. That's my recommendation. I know people feel daunted about doing this. And if you don't have these Instagram friend things that I'm referring to, you can start making some. And the way that you do that is just genuinely engaging with their work. You can ask them a very simple question. I think that's a great way to make a connection with people. Like, hey, I see you're an artist. Um, Can I ask you a quick question about like the website platform that you use? Or what do you do when somebody asks Um, requests a commission, like very simple things, not like you're draining them for advice, but just little points like that um, are really great ways to make connections with people and have a longer conversation. And then you can always offer to them like, hey, if you ever have a question or need support on something, I'm more than happy to um, offer that to you as well. Um, I think that's a great little seed to plant. Okay, so the other way that you can um, find creative community is to join an already established group. There are lots of groups like this that have different levels of commitment, both financially and time-wise. Some of them are just in the form of Facebook groups. Some of them are very large groups that maybe you pay like a low monthly fee for. And then some are very intimate, um, almost like classes uh, or mentorship groups like mine. So the key is when you join something like this, make sure that you you resonate with the topics that are proposed. Like if you're wanting to 
really have deep conversations about your work, I wouldn't just join like a business mastermind. You're probably not going to find what you're looking for in that way. So make sure the group is speaking to what you are interested in. Another way to gauge this is if you see somebody talking about how they've been a part of a group or um, if there's a way you can find a contact list for past students or participants, you can reach out and just ask people what their experience was like and if they vibed, what they liked about it, all of those things. I think there's nothing wrong with doing research and asking questions because there are lots of different kinds of artists with different goals and intentions. And so even within that realm, finding the people who feel like your people can take a little bit of time and research. Um, The most important thing I want to add on this creative community conversation, which I already kind of said, is that so many of us are wanting it. Like I'm telling you, everybody I talk to is wanting it. And so with that information in mind, you could throw a stone like two feet in front of you. And if there's an artist there, they want to hang out with you. I, I promise you. So you don't need to feel intimidated or... Um, weird about it in any way. Like it, it's it's on all of our minds. So that's like my pep talk to not to not be afraid and to put yourself out there. Um, so that brings us to the end of the episode, and also a last plug for the small artist group mentorship program that I'm doing. Um, this is one of the main reasons I'm excited about doing it is to be a provider of one of these spaces. And it may or may not be the space for you. That's why you have to go read about it and do the research to see if you vibe with it. Um, But I'll just reiterate, I didn't say this at the beginning and I wanted to mention it, that it's not a pretentious space. I know one of the main concerns that artists have when joining a group is really finding this balance of like, we want to have real conversations about our work, but we also don't want to feel like people are speaking a language or there's gatekeeping or... Um, you know, we're not far enough along or not advanced enough to be there. And that's really my intention with this space is to make it accessible and enjoyable, um, but also really enriching at the same time. So it's not a pretentious space. It's for people at all stages who care about being intentional in integrity and who want to grow with their work. So um, link is in the show notes for all of that jazz. And last couple things, as always, if you're not following us on Instagram, please go do so. We are at Art and Magic Podcast. If you want to follow along with what I'm doing and my disjointed study experiment phase that I'm going through, you can follow me at Devin Walls Art. Um, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming back to the show after such a long time away. Um, that recharge period is so important for me and I think important for artists in general. So please also keep that in mind for yourself. I can't wait to talk about all the things. If there's something that you would like to hear about on the show, if you have a particular topic or something you are interested in or want expanded on, please send me an email. I really read them. I really honestly take the suggestions. I want this to be a conversation between um, you and I and the artists who listen to this show. So um, my email is in the show notes, devinleewalls at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Um, Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss what's coming up. And I will see you for the next episode. Bye for now.